time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies, and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. Oh, check it out! With Paul. Listen, Paul. What? What? I can take your flailing of arms as much as you like, in fact. You know, you get real close into my personal space. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. But I know you are. Feet and shoes, that's where I draw the line, sir. You could have stepped in anything this morning. Seagull waste. I avoided the ginkgo trees. Okay. Are they, like, starting to drop? Oh, they've... (gasps) Yeah, when I've, did I miss that? I've smelt a few. Oh, they're horrible once you stand yeah. on one of those. Uh, yeah, but this is this is what happens when you don't let me in the live studio for two weeks. I'm sorry. I get overexcited. You, I'm like a little puppy dog. You are incredibly excited. Wagging my foot tail. I do feel like I haven't seen you for donkey It has been years, a long Paul. time. Okay. Very upset with you. I'm sorry. I it's hope okay. I never miss you for more than seven days ever again well, in pro- my entire life. It will happen. It will definitely it happen. will definitely probably yes. in the next month. I've got something to ask you later about your schedule. Oh my <laughs> goodness! How have you been though, Paul? I've been good. I've, I mean, we've, we've. It feels like summer has yet to end. Oh, it's we're still sort of in hotty. autumn, but yeah. it's still hot during the day. So I'm, I'm in a bit of that phase where I just, I just want to wear a jacket, Peter. Yeah, I want to wear a light jacket, and I want to have more pockets without sweating. You want to be able to wear a light jacket and walk around. Today, I think it's light jacket weather, is it not? it's not. No, I looked on my weather forecast app. It said, like, a high of 22 degrees today. Is that inaccurate? I I dispute that it feels more like 23 to 25. Yeah, the moment is 22.1, it says. Okay. My weather app is a bit hit and miss, I will say that. Um, but you, want to, you want to get a fruit-based phone. No got much better weather apps. No, no, this is the international global standard. I'm doing Korean weather. But, look, so I have, for the first time in ages, worn long trousers, so jeans, oh, and a long sleeve top because of you. my weather app. And now yeah. I'm regretting it because you're telling me maybe it's wrong. I don't want to sweat later. Can well, we swap I'd... shirts? You wear this right. long right now. <laughs> Uh, today's book, Three Days of Autumn 1948. Is that the full title? Uh, that is the full title. It's by So Jong In. It's translated by Jamie Chang. And because I thought it was going to be cooler, because <laughs> September is the month of the start of autumn, but also mm. it's a month of family and Thanksgiving here in Korea, I thought because we're, we're not quite at Chuseok, Nearly. we're getting closer to mm-hmm. Chuseok, I would give us a short story that would take us back to a time when families had so much less than we have now. I think, I I don't know how your family will be celebrating Chuseok this year, Mm. but I'm pretty sure you're not going to be worried about putting rice on the table. No. You're not going to be worried about having a bit of grilled meat or grilled fish or the pancakes or whatever it may be. Not at all. But there was a time in Korea when families had so much less. Mm. So it's dealing with this... Um, it's a, actually a collection of three short stories. And we're going to look at the first short story called oh. Three Days of Autumn. And all three of them deal with wartime memories. Oh, wow. So this is the late 40s into the Korean War in the 1950s. And it's specifically about 
those memories related to children and their experiences. So looking at things from a slightly different perspective. Interesting. Sa Jong-in, have we covered this author before? We haven't because not a lot of his work is translated into English. In Uh fact, this is the only sort of solo collection where you can find his short stories. Mm. Some of his other stories are in collections with other authors, but this is the only one. Um, But he is a well-respected author here in Korea. Born in 1936 in Suncheon in Cholanamdo, where he sets his stories. Um, his real name is actually uh, Seo Jung-tek. Oh. Seo Jung-in is his, uh, his pen name. Okay. Um, and he's actually a very good English speaker. He studied English at Seoul National University. Wow. Uh, made his literary debut in the early 60s, winning a prize for his short story called Evacuation, and then went on to become a full-time lecturer, went on to become dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Chumbuk National University. He spent time later in life in the US and mm. in the UK, sort wow. of as a visiting scholar. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just have this one book that's his and his alone, mm. but there's a few of his other stories out there as well. Nice. Thank you to Jamie Chang for translating this. We've heard from Jamie a lot of times. We have, because we have this mix of ultra-modern, up-to-date uh fiction, and Mm -hmm. then classic stories Mm. from earlier in her career. So this is one of uh, earlier in her career, one of the books, but it's still very much worth reading. She's a fantastic translator. She's been going for a decade, um, and we featured, I think, most of her more recent translations, and Mm. hopefully there'll be more to come. Fingers crossed. All right, so where do we pick it up? We're picking up at the very start of the story in a classroom. Everything seems to be going on as normal, except... Something's not quite normal. Who's playing with marbles in class? He was in the sixth grade then. Mr. Itesan, who was making a dramatic comparison between Isun Shin and Wonyun, snapped his head up at the sound of marbles rattling in the back of the classroom. Traitors walked among them. There was no greater act of treason than fidgeting about instead of studying in class. Calling someone Wangyun was a terrible insult, although the teacher himself said it in jest when he was frustrated. They were mourning the downfall of the hero and the obliteration of his fleet. The commander of Kyungsang province, Wangyun, and his underhanded schemes and strategies had brought about the hero, Isun Shin's ruin. The sound of the marbles didn't stop. There was nothing strange about it. No one in the class was playing with marbles. There was a knock at the classroom door. Mr. E ignored the sound of the marbles, or the far-off thunder, or whatever it was, and was getting ready to excite the students again about the 350-year-old story. He dropped his arms, he grinned, resigned, and went to open the door. It was the class monitor from the next class. Are you Wangyun? Mr. E demanded, pointing an accusing finger at the puzzled boy's face. The class erupted with laughter. It was not clear if it had been the teacher's dramatic gesture or the boy's stunned reaction. The class found funny. The teacher, assuming it was the former, beamed triumphantly, while the students laughed even harder because it had been really the latter. They delighted more in the distress of the class monitor from next door than in the demise of the foolish commander from 350 years ago. Sensing something important, the teacher stopped laughing and asked the boy what he needed. 
Uh, I was told to let you know that the students should be dismissed after this class. Of course the students will be dismissed after class! The students burst into laughter again. Welcome to Arirang Radio. We're back for part two. Check it out with Paul Matthews. That was Dio singing to us. Kijok Wonder. Is, um, is his name not Dolt? Dolt. <laughs> Maybe. It's better than B.O. And there is actually... What, a little bit of sm- Sorry. No, there it's is a Korean sweaty. group called B.O. Um, it's all right, isn't it? Uh, let's talk a little bit about this story, Paul. Well, yeah. Aaron first... Yeah. Add his two cents on book donations and getting one from a charity shop or something. Yes, he says, I have a book, Candy Stripers by Wyndham. I, I, do they have a first name? I <laughs> is, it, is it John Wyndham? I don't think he wrote Candy Lee Stripers. Wyndham, Lee Wyndham, apparently. That I got from a library sale. It's a fantastic book. It was clearly pre-owned by someone other than the library. A story about a young girl volunteering at the hospital back in the day. Candy Stripers would aid nurses. Interesting. Ooh, and he asks, so the teacher is a squirrely type? <laughs> no. He seems nice. He's, he has a laugh with the class. He yeah. know, he's got them in the palm of his hand. Oh, I love a teacher like that who's entertaining you and bringing history to life uh, through the characters, right? Calling people in class Wongun. Yeah, you're such a Wongun. I am not a Wongun. I'm oh, as loyal as they Wong-yun. come. You're a Wongun. I'm Wong-yun. a Sushin. I'm an Wong-yun. Eastern You're a Wong Wong Wongun. I'm going to run out the class crying. Uh, <laughs> I guess many of our listeners will know Eastern Shin. You know, we yes. talked about the Admirals. So they'll be confused at Wongun. And also... Yeah, what's going on here being dismissed okay. early? Uh, let's deal with 350 years ago. Let's okay. deal with the history. Right. So Yisun Shin was incredibly successful, but towards the end of his life, he was brought down by traitors, basically. Mm. They didn't like the fact that he was doing everything yeah. and, and winning battles yeah, like success. a dozen ships against 100 Japanese <laughs> ships, and yet he was still winning. Mm-hmm. So Won Yun was one of these really quite nasty little people who wanted to exact revenge. So it's a big insult. Mm. You you don't want to call someone a Wong Yun. No, and you know we such a Wong Yun. We don't have that many different names in Korean. Well, maybe we do, but this name I feel is one that People avoid calling their children, right? Oh, you yeah, know the connotation. Right? No, you don't. You don't want. You don't want. Oh, little Wong Yoon. <laughs> yeah. No, there are some names. I think. I think in every country there are certain names you would never, mm-hmm. never call your child. Okay. Um. But yeah. But the more important thing is the ratatat tat art marbles. It's mm. not thunder. What is it? It's gunfire. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, this is wartime. I totally forgot. This I was is, just in a classroom. This is 1948. So this is not the outbreak of the. Korean War. This is before the Korean War, but what you have to understand is between 1945 and 1950, mm. it was not a peaceful peninsula. Uh-huh. There were skirmishes all over the place. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so the students, they don't know why they're being dismissed. They think, oh, do we have to go and line up to greet some dignitary mm. or is this something we have to do? But then the teacher doesn't know why either, but oh. the teacher's like, okay, just look, just pack everything up, go straight home. You don't even need to clean the classroom, okay. which they're worried about. It's like, but we'll get in trouble. No, I said you can do this. All right. So go home. And they head out and they hear the sound of marbles, which is the gunfire. <laughs> oh, that's so innocent. It's marbles in the distance. Yeah. And so we have two boys they focus on, and they're off to scrump persimmons. Uh-huh. Um, and we sort of listen into the conversation, and it's, it's great. 
it's it's just two kids talking, two boys <laughs> talking. It's it's silly. It's also a little bit nonsensical, but it's also philosophical. They're oh. asking the difficult questions of each other, and they don't know the answer. <laughs> and they're wondering about guns <gasps> and about why people use silencers. Because if you're going to kill someone, you should let them know. <laughs> Um, and they're wondering about war and about fighting, and okay. then they're like, you know, the differences between people, children, and adults, and then, you know, are they more similar? Are children more similar to adults than children are similar to chickens? That's a great question. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's really a fascinating little sort of slice of their life as they talk about these things.、Mm. They're trying to work out what all of this means because. At the end of the day, they can't do anything about it.、Mm. They're kids, and they're completely、yeah. powerless in this situation. But they're fascinated by it. Yes, you are often fascinated by chaos and disaster.、Yeah. And so, and so, as they're walking, as they're talking, they're talking about life. They're talking about death. They're talking about <laughs> our career. Are you right? Sorry. You like, just said you, death, and it just got in my throat. Sorry, a bit of a wangyun today. <laughs>、um, they're talking about whether Koreans, Japanese, and Chinese people are all the same, or are they different? Oh, what is the difference? Why are we fighting? Why did we fight? Interesting. So they're dealing with these quite heavy issues, but at the same time, it's funny. And it's really well paced and really well written, so you、mm. feel like you're getting into it and you're you're chatting along with these boys. <laughs> and then one of the boys talks about his older brother seeing a soldier shoot a policeman. What? Yeah, because、wow. this is what was happening in Sunshine at this time、mm. in autumn 1948, and how he was enraptured by the flash and the noise of the gun. <gasps> and then they're talking about, well, when's it going to end? When's the fighting going to end? And then when it does end, what's going to happen?、Mm. And then the story shifts again. So it started off as narration,、uh-huh. and then it changed to conversation, and then it shifts to narration once more, talking about the changes to Korea and also the contradictions. That this newly liberated peninsula is facing, and that's where we pick up with the second reading. Intriguing. Thanks to the thirty-some years of relentless cultivation by the island people, who had opened their harbors early and accepted Western culture, most things of the past were wrecked. The parts that survived lived wretched but resilient lives among the baser class. The mean subsisted on the stale and less spoiled. Not only did this class live on, but it grew as those from above continued to sink lower and lower. The noblemen who hastened to abandon the old were suspended in the air. In spite of the careful and unabating work of the dwarves, the transition between the old and the new in the land of savages was not yet complete. The new had not reached the lower class or taken root in the upper class. The result was a cultural void. Films and cars were new, but theatre and dance, music and art, folklore and legends, and even literature and history were thrown out before the new could even arrive to replace them. In with the new had been confused with out with the old. They had hastily incinerated the ancestral tablets, which they replaced with insubstantial fakes. The misguided enthusiasm for borrowed, donated, scavenged clothes over one's own, and the stripping of one's own clothes to wear the clothes of others, were a mistake. Changing clothes itself was not a mistake, but believing that they could change clothes, that no trouble would come of it, that it would make life rather much easier, that was a mistake. In culture, destruction is possible only through creation. 
One should not indiscriminately wear someone else's clothes or take off one's own. Even if the clothes are nothing but rags, throwing away one's clothes without having something to change into is insane. But what is more insane is the belief that one should change into new clothes just because they no longer like their rags. Even if they believe they were wearing rags, they were not. Not all things old are rags. Skin is old. Should we peel that off too? If they wanted to take it off, if they believed and thought they had shed it, they were as good as undressed. If they wore clothes but were as good as undressed, it was worse than being stark naked. It was hazardous because they were undressed, wasteful because their clothes did no good, meaningless because they did not value what was their own, and distasteful because they griped about all of it. Under a monarchy where a small minority of noblemen are well-fed and clothed, it is the vast majority of the lower class that bears the weight of the country, and it is the lower class who survive when the country falls. The fact that the lower class continued to bear the weight of the fallen nation was as unsurprising as the continuing wealth of the upper class, whether they had sovereignty or not. The slaves were the masters. The fools tried to liberate the free, while lunatics insisted that the captive had been liberated. What's going on? Where are the little boys? This is just like a backdrop to the situation. Describing yeah. what's happening. And even this description, it's like all over the place. No, it's not. It's a brilliant piece of writing and I will stand by it. I, I just don't understand. So they're criticising who for getting rid of the culture before the newers come in? Like the lower classes? Or? No. What's happened is 40 five odd years of Japanese rule mm -hmm. has destroyed the old uh -huh. with those who collaborated with the Japanese throwing out the old mm. without having anything new ready to replace it. Oh, so it's a bit of and, a vacuum. And the only people who are keeping the old alive are those who are in poverty, the mm. working class. They okay. are the ones who understand the traditions and the beliefs and the folklore and the music and mm. so on. Whereas the nobility have thrown that all away, undressed themselves of their Koreanness, mm. and yet are standing naked because they can never be Japanese. Mm. Oh, that's very deep, isn't it's it? It's beautifully written. It's way over my head. Uh, no, it's not. You just you just have to listen or read carefully, Peter. Okay. Uh, yeah, the point is, it's all about contradictions. It's mm. about well, basically, in 1945, Korea was reborn. Mm. Korea had spent 45 years in a colonial womb, mm. unable to be free, unable to be liberated. And yet when it was liberated, well, the people in power were still those who had cooperated and collaborated with Japan. Mm. We had Americans trying to do what they thought was right with the peninsula. Sure. We had the Russians and the Chinese wanting to do what they <sighs> thought was right with the peninsula. And meanwhile, you've got ordinary people like these two little boys who don't know what the <laughs> H is going on. So do they get their persimmons? They do, look, the they do get their persimmons. Point. They do. Okay. And they meet again that evening. All right. Um, but it's not to get more, more persimmons. One of the boy's fathers is in hiding. Oh. He's in trouble with the North, uh -oh. the Northern uh, supporters. And the boy has a plan to save him. They're going to go and see an older boy named Yongwan. Mm -hmm. And this older boy sort of hangs out with the kids. He plays games with them. Yeah. 
and they think he can help us. Uh-huh. He can help save my father, and if he won't, then I've got a knife and I'm going to stab him. What? So you better help me. Oh, dear. And the other boy's like, come on, let's just get more persimmons. You like the persimmons. They're sweet. They're delicious. Mm. But the other boy can't be swayed. Mm-hmm. And they creep through the night, avoiding the guns to Yong Wan's house. He's not there, though. And oh. they sort of wait around. His family are there, and they're sort of chatting with each other. Okay. And the boys are talking about whether being a red, being a communist, is mm. hereditary. And <gasps> if it's stronger on your mother's side, because one of their uncles... Okay. On their mother's side is a communist. All right. Interesting um, theory. Yeah. And so it's more of this comic philosophy, but also asking the absurd questions that adults aren't prepared to answer. Um, and then Young Wan arrives with a young man, and we find out that he's actually working with these northern supporters. Oh. And one of the boys gets in a fight with a stranger, with this young man, after saying, we're not on the same side. Oh. You know, we're not, we're not reds. And he almost gets strangled to death by the man. Oh, goodness. And the other boy hits the man over the head and his friend runs away. And then he confronts the man. And young man as well. And the man goes to attack him, but he's like, nope, not going to happen. And he explains what's going on. My friend, who just ran away, his dad's in trouble. Uh-huh. And you're the only one who can help him. And young man's like, but... I'm leaving. I'm packing my bags. We're, we're off today. Oh, Can't do anything dear. for you. And that's it. School's cancelled the next day. There's talk of the North is going to win the latest skirmish. And there are rumours that the North has got more electricity than the South. Like, they only get to use it for a little bit each day, whereas okay. the North can have it on all the time. Wow. And the boy the boy just, again, he doesn't understand what's going on. It's of like, course. why? why is everyone fighting? <sighs> But nothing really happens on the second day. There's no school. It's sort of everything's quiet. There's no big disaster. And night passes peacefully until the morning of the third day. And that's where we're going to pick up again. The third day dawned. Among the family members who had slept on straw mats in the storage room next to the kitchen... He was probably the last one to rise. His mother had already boiled a pot of rice. He did not want to wash his face. He wanted to sleep a little longer, and if he had to wake up, he wanted to sit and doze for a while. He hunkered down in front of the hearth for the warmth. In the hearth that burned pine branches to make the rice, red embers glowed and a few candle-sized flames danced. He stoked the fire with tinder, and the flames came back to life. Then they relented again. He threw another fistful of tinder in it. The flames rose again. You're burning your breakfast. What? The rice is burning. Rice? Add final fire to the rice, child. It's been cooking for too long. Rice? He suddenly snapped out of it. He must have dozed off. He fed the fire. He always enjoyed handling fire, whether it was work or play. He heard someone approaching from behind, but he thought it was his mother. A soldier, carrying a gun, filled the threshold. No wonder the footsteps had been so loud. Get out! Hands in the air! The soldier aimed his gun at the boy's head. The boy did as he was told. Guns were good for making people move faster. The boy would never have guessed he could raise his hand so instantly with the muzzle of a gun pointed at him. It felt well rehearsed. He lost touch with the rest of his family then. It was not until later that he discovered his mother was dragged out with her toothbrush still in her mouth. 
He was led to the street with his hands behind his head. People were being dragged out of their houses, clothed, half-clothed, with shoes, without shoes. As brooks turn into streams, people poured out of every alley. Felt like a village market. They followed the army truck with their hands behind their heads. Soldiers with guns at the ready were peppered throughout the procession. Soldiers on a large truck with a canvas top also aimed guns at the people. The boy was separated from his family without exchanging farewells and became a prisoner. Men, women, young and old, they were all prisoners. He could be separated from the living at any moment according to the discretion of a riled up nearby soldier. The soldiers sometimes entertained people as honor guards and army bands. Other times, they hunted them like bloodthirsty hounds going after rabbits or foxes. They were the same soldiers and sometimes the very same individuals who turned the brave, honorable, polite and wholesome young men into bloodthirsty demons. Not the villagers. They had done nothing but get dragged out to the streets. The soldiers were from the same army that told the boys to get out of the way just two days earlier. The same helmet, the uniform, guns, faces. The procession headed north. I'm scared. What happens to them? Oh, no. I thought very carefully about which excerpts I would choose from this book. Uh -huh. And at first I thought I would choose the end of the book, of the mm. story. And then I thought, no, I think it's too much. Oh, um, oh, dear. They're taken to a primary school by the soldiers and they're stripped down to their underwear. Oh. And the men are tied together in a line and taken outside and we hear the rat-a-tat-tat. -tat. Oh, no. Rat-a-tat-tat. And this boy witnesses everything oh. and he sees one boy taken to a tree standing there with his hands tied blindfolded and he witnesses what happens to him oh my goodness it's awful it's, it's awful because we've had so much fun with the boys mm. we've we've we, you know we've had a laugh with them we've sort of been through their their ups and downs and their philosophical queries and then at the end there's just this casual description of death seen through a child's eyes a child who doesn't really understand what he has just watched yeah and the last few lines uh, if you read this story they will stay with you because it describes the boy who has uh, we don't know whether he's been let go whether he's uh -huh. escaped or whether the the rev revolution the rebellion has been crushed he's walking down the road along the rice paddies picking out raw rice to eat because he's <sighs> hungry and passing by the bodies of those that were massacred on this the third day of autumn oh my goodness and this is based on a true story yeah it's based on a real incident um it's sometimes called i looked it up what what there's no sort of official title mm. but i think yosu sunchon 1019 incident it what is what it may be referred to but it happened in 1948 there were 2000 left leaning north supporting soldiers who took control of that area um and over a week the south korean army and in fact the us military got involved as well suppressed the rebellion um, around 3,000 were killed, possibly up to 2,000 of them civilians, oh just innocent goodness. lives. 
it, it was horrific because when the rebellion started, the, the rebel North soldiers were killing the police and the public officials and landlords and others. And then when they were killed by the South Korean supported military, civilians were suffering as well. <gasps> it's terrible. awful. But it's a really good reminder. Um, Americans have Thanksgiving, and ours is not Thanksgiving as such. No. But Chuseok is about being thankful. Mm -hmm. And I think this story, however painful it might be, is a really good reminder how thankful we must be for where we are in our lives right now. Absolutely. We can't imagine that kind of harrowing experience. Your one-line review, please, Paul. It turns funny and philosophical and ultimately heartbreaking. Oh, oh. <sighs> Thanks as ever, Paul. The reading started off really, really bright and took a turn, and that's a real event that happened in Korea's history. Goodness gracious. Uh, what are we going to be reading next week? Uh, next week, got a short story available online for free, Looking for the Elephant by Jo Kyung-ran. Translated by Heinz Insu Finkel, Looking for the Elephant. And thanks as always to the LTIK for their help with copyright permission. Thanks to So Jung In for his excellent story and Jamie Chang for her great translation. I will be back in the studio live next week for another book, and hopefully you won't be such a Wangyun. Huzzah, Eason Shin Paul. Uh, thank you so much. I think you find Denny's Eason Shin. He's sitting there with his long hair, looking mm. like a proper admiral. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.